Hello, and welcome to Python Bytes, where we deliver Python news and headlines directly to your earbuds. This is episode 258, recorded November 10th, 2021. I'm Michael Kennedy. And I'm Brian Aachen. And I'm Karen Dalton. Yay. Yay. Welcome, Karen. So good to have you here. It is quite a delight and an honor. I've been a longtime fan, uh, as they say on the radio, longtime listener, first time caller. Yeah. Um, of uh, both of your podcasts and, and books and, and Slack channels and training. And so I'm really excited to be here. Well, thanks for being part of the community in all those ways. And you and I got to meet down at Pi Bay in San Francisco. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, uh, uh, Brian, I don't know if Brian knows, uh, I uh, arrived at Pi Bay and I was going to be one of the MCs. And I saw Michael Kennedy, who I cherry picked to introduce. I, you know, I was one of the organizers and uh, MCs for the event and I approached him and overwhelmed him. I'm like, you're a super fan. And he was like, um, so, but he was very gracious about, about being uh fangirled just at the uh, registration table. Yeah, no, you, you were great helping me out with the talk. Thank you so much. And Hey, it's Anthony Shaw on the live stream. Hey, says, hi, Karen. Great to have you on the show. Nice. Hi, Anthony. Anthony and I just did a show on Pigeon, P-Y-J-I-O-N, the JIT compiler that he just released, version 1.0. Oh, that Talk Python episode will be out today, tomorrow, fingers crossed, very, very soon. So uh, stay tuned for more on that. But let's start with uh, whatever you brought us, Brian. Well, um, number one. I, well, I figure we really need to talk about Will McCougan um, because, you know, get has, that. has it been a show since we've done that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So just get that out of the way. So on Twitter, Will asked a general question to everybody, uh, something like, um, if, if I've got an open source project and somebody files an issue with it, but I, I have a question about it and I ask them a question and they don't ever respond for a really long time. So is there a way to just automatically clean those up or clean them up easily? Um, because we could just assume that the person has figured out or solved the problem or it's not a problem anymore or they don't care. So um, one of the responses, which I liked, which I thought was pretty cool, was a uh, a bot, a GitHub bot. Act, um, it's actually from GitHub. It's a uh, a bot called Stale. So it's a, a bot that closes stale issues and PRs. And the, the gist of it, like uh, on the tin, it says um, it warns and then closes issues and PRs that have had no activity for a specified amount of time. That sounds perfect. Uh, configuration must be on the default branch and the default values will be, um, it will add a stale label to issues or PRs that are six with after 60 days of inactivity, um, and close stale issues or PRs after seven days of inactivity. And if an update or comment occurs during that time frame, it restarts the clock. But I love all, it. all of those are, are not for me, since I'm, I'm an open source maintainer, but I don't, like sometimes I don't pay attention to them for a couple months. <laughs> um, uh, I would definitely want to bump that up to make sure that it's at least within my time frame, so that you know my own if my own inactivity problems might not be the case. Um, so I totally hear that. I would love to see one minor change, one more bullet point on the things it does. Add a stale label after sixty days. Close it after seven days of inactivity. Um, a, a comment will bring it back, but. I would love to see this bot put a, a comment on there saying, if we don't deal with this, it's going away. That way, the people who submitted the PR will get an email, the maintainer will get an email. And so, like, you're notified the seven day clock has begun, you know? Karen, you're shaking your head. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I've certainly seen it on um, open source uh, repos and uh, it's it's nice to to have that there, but sometimes it's an issue that's important to you and you, you don't want it to necessarily go away. Like, and uh, I wish there was a way to like say, this is actually really important to me. Please don't close it, even if you can't pay attention to it right away. Yeah. yeah well, there's, absolutely. for instance, um, in one of the settings, there's a bunch of settings. One of the settings is a stale issue message or comment on stale issue. So ah, it lets look like it, it does. I thought do about it already. That one. Um, and I think there's, uh, exempt issue labels, uh, labels oh, on issues exempted. Oh, so perfect. you can mark something as, uh, you know, keep this around or something. Um, oh, so see, I like, hadn't, I don't have that window up, so I didn't scroll. Perfect. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's it looks what like I need. It, looks like yeah, it does this looks everything. well thought out then. I love it now. Yeah. And it's been around for a while and it's got like, I guess it's only 498 stars, but it'll be more than that after we do this show. That's yeah. right. Exactly. <laughs> be at least 500. Uh, yeah, 499. <laughs> uh, no, this is a so. great find. I really like it. So, yeah. yeah. Good one, Brian. Yeah, I think th I, I'm really impressed with GitHub that they've added so many features. I use it more than I have GitLab. So GitLab may, has, may have as many, you know, in all fairness. But um, GitHub has added lots of cool features and ongoing development to make things easier. Um, as you know, many things have evolved, lots of more features added, but things like this that make it easier to maintain things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really happy with the way, the direction of GitHub these days. So it seems like it's going really well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm definitely happy there. I use both. I like them both, but uh, GitHub definitely is a, has a focus on the, or at least I it feels like it's listening to open source maintainers and their needs. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, so I want to show you another one that I think also may involve Will McGoog, and I got to do a quick check here. It's called Jut, Jut, Ute. Maybe if you're you're German, it's Ute. I, I don't know, but um, we could look at the Pi Project Tommel and see if Rich is in here. It is okay. So yeah, it definitely involves <laughs> Rich and Will McGoogan. And what it is is it's a renderer, not a interactive environment, but a renderer for Jupyter notebooks. And we've had that, you know. Um, NB viewer, things like that, like on the web, but this one is in your terminal. So here's the scenario, like you're in the terminal remote, maybe SSH'd into a remote machine and you're like, oh, there's this notebook file, but what the heck is this? <laughs> you know, what, what is it? I'm, I'm like, I don't have a browser or whatever. And so the way that it works, let me pull up this little animation for everyone and uh, have it go, is if you're somewhere, you just say, I'm gonna go with Jute, Jute, give it a URL. And you can literally give it something off of the internet and you can even give it like tail commands. So I want to see the, the last 10 cells instead of lines. And it uses rich to colorize and style what the notebook has, including the data cells, as well as the actual output, a computation, you know, how the notebooks will store their output from the last time they were run, unless you clear them, it'll show that as well. What do y'all think? I, I, I love that. I, I mean, uh, there's, there's sometimes you get a file and you just want to check some introspect some portion of it and you can't just do more or cat on a Jupyter notebook. <laughs> yeah, you get something you know? completely and, and, wrong. Yeah. And I don't sometimes in the space then you're in, you don't you just want to quickly be able to check what it is and move on. And uh so I love that. And yeah. I love Rich. That's um <laughs> that it's you know, the color the colorized terminal is really helpful. I, honestly, it might have better um Syntax highlighting the notebooks themselves. <laughs> Brian, what were you going to say? No, no, just I, I, I love, uh, I really like the focus and 
of uh, tools making things uh, usable on on command line because I'm I'm a command line lover. And I mean, I've got nothing against doing notebooks in the, on the in a web browser, but uh, things like this make it possible to do things like uh, um, put them in a pipeline and automate them more easily. Um, and like this, it's not really automating using the notebook, but it might be you might make sure that like something is you know a, a regression thing. You want to make sure that things are visible, so you can use this to to grab grab one off of a repo or something and make sure nothing weird happened. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it looks good. And to bring it back around full circle, Will McGugan out in the audience says, neat, that's a new one for me. Hey, Will. Yeah, it's always fun to show you projects using your library because there's a bunch of cool ones out there. Awesome. All right, well, I'm not sure what else I have to say about this one other than it was sent into us by KidPixo. Thank you for that. That was awesome. I'll keep them coming. He sent a bunch of things along. Like I said, you can display the different cells, like the first five, last five, you know, whatever you want to pass over. You can also do things like show it to me just in plain text if you, for some reason, want to copy it and you don't want the formatting. Pretty straightforward to use, but also really nice. All right, Karen, you're up next. Uh, Adding on to the the Jupyter thread, uh, one of the interesting things that's coming out is Jupyter Lite. It is being developed by core Jupyter developers, but it's still unofficial. And one of the nice things is is static. And if you share it with somebody, they can just go to uh, a web page and you can just, you can cache it. So it, you don't have to have a, a Jupyter notebook server running. Uh, it's a static page. Obviously there's JavaScript and other elements involved. And so if you just click on one of those links, try it with Jupyter Lab, it takes you to a, a, a browser that window, it's just, as you can see, is a static page. It's going to take a second to come up because it's got some JavaScript. Oh, go. And if you click on that pile light and then just do like an import this to see a standard kind of notebook. Yeah, it has a little, it has a notebook tour. If you do an import this, which is a standard kind of test to do the Python mantras, it, you know, <laughs> it runs simply and that's all just running in a browser. So yeah. obviously <laughs> it's, uh, if you wanted to share things with some, somebody, it's, uh, it's an easy way for, for them to see it. You would just send them that file and they can open it up and do some additional things. It's probably you won't want to run your four data pipelines in a static web browser window, but it does allow you to do a variety of things. Um, and there's some sample notebooks included with it that let you do some, some things. So you can run through either step-by-step uh, that you can actually add text into, as you saw, into the window. So it's, it's a nice feature add uh, to be able to run uh, a notebook in a browser window and show some examples of your code in a static way. I, I know that, you know, people have sent me jo- Jupyter notebooks or shared them or sometimes you can see them on GitHub. There's even tools now that you can do um, uh, Git diffs. Uh, there's a service that allows you to do diffs of Jupyter notebooks that you can do that for your pull request reviews. But uh, sometimes it's nice to be able to see, like, I would like to change this a little bit without, like, starting up a server yourself. So Yeah, yeah. We've been able to host these. We've been able to set up notebook servers and host them. But there's issues with letting people run code. Maybe you don't want to let them run it. It's only read-only. and so. But this is cool because it will let you run it in the browser, right? Which is using WebAssembly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they, you can have the Jupyter Lab look or kind of retro look, which is just very minimalist without that kind of UI. So it's it's a really nice retro feature. Lab. I've never and, tried retro, retro Lab. 
Yeah, it's just uh, more of a basic like file list. It doesn't have that. Um, it doesn't have that nice kind of look and feel of the the newer version of Jupyter Lab, but oh, yeah. it works. Yeah, fantastic. Just run all the cells, and it runs, I guess, in WebAssembly. Super cool. Oh yeah, that's a that's a good one. Brian, yeah, what do you think? A simple uh, pip install, and then you you run another command as to uh, it to generate all the JavaScript and things it needs. And then once that index file is made, that directory is made, well, then it's really easy. You just open up that index.html on your, on your, you can run it on localhost. You can Python start at HTTP server with, you know, easily with Python 3 so that it will serve that page as well. You can even deploy it to GitHub pages or something like Netlify or some other static host. Yeah. Pretty sweet. I yeah. definitely think, I, I agree that I, you don't want to do big, heavy workloads on this, but I, especially for graphing and interactive stuff and um, just like tweaking the data a little bit, I think this is amazing to be able to, especially for uh, reports and things. Um, there's a lot of a lot of places where this would be useful. Yep. And you have no security issues or worried about people running code or messing with it because whatever they do, they're doing it to themselves. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. There's no little bobby tables issues that you have to <laughs> exactly. worry about with a static web browser on your site yeah you definitely want to lower your surface area there all right brian a bit of an intermission yeah um let's talk about uh our sponsor today so today's sponsor is shortcut which is formerly clubhouse and thank you for sponsoring the episode there are a lot of project management tools out there and i've used i've used a ton of them but most suffer suffer from a few common problems they're either too complex and it's hard to get started and there's all tons of options all the time get you, make you confused or they're too simple and you really you can get started on one project but you can't use it for multiple projects and stuff um, or they seem to be like geared towards managers but difficult for engineers or geared towards engineers and difficult for managers i think shortcut is different so, so shortcut is built for software teams and based on making workflows easy which i like so let's say you have a big scale objectives goals and roadmaps uh, topics in those and items in those uh, big goals and roadmaps can easily be tied to teams and individual work sprints and progress on those can be easily easily flow back into reports at the top level. It's keyboard friendly so you can hook up short codes and stuff so uh, you don't the UI is intuitive and it's pretty easy to use but uh, the things you do every day you can tie those to keyboard shortcuts and make them even faster and it has tight VCS integration so you can update your task progress progress by just adding a comment or a, a, a little key code into your commit or PR, and it flows back upstream. This is really cool. Uh, iteration planning is also a breeze. You can see your activity team activity when you need it, but you can see your own work really easily when you need that too. And burden down charts and cycle time and lead time charts are just built in for you. Um, it's really really great to see all that. Uh, so finally, a project management tool for both engineers and managers. Give it a try at shortcut.com slash Python bytes. Awesome. Thanks, Shortcut. Hey, Brian, before we move on to your next item, that Jupiter Light was sent in by Marcel Millicent. So thank you, Marcel, for sending that over. Yeah, nice. Yeah. We always appreciate when our listeners help us do our research because they have all these ideas that <laughs> we don't know about. Yeah. So Yeah, thanks thank for you. picking that up. Uh, <laughs> for sure. Michael. Yeah, of course. Well, ACK, uh, ACK now, Lim supplies are limited. Um, no, <laughs> um, I don't actually <laughs> use wait. ACK. wait, wait. get more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I want to talk about grep a little bit. Um, I, I use grep all the time for, um, uh, for finance stuff within my codes, command line tool for finance, finance stuff in files. And uh, I'm not going to cover it in the show, but I threw in, in the show notes. If you're not, if you don't use grep or tools like grep, um, I threw in a couple examples in the show notes to get you started real easily. It's a, I think, I think it's useful to find stuff. Um, one question I did have is like, I've got a command sequence in the show notes that I'd like to have people look, take a look at. I don't have a screenshot for it, but, um, if I want to find like say foo in, in recursively in all the, all the folders and directories, I can do that easily. Um, and I want to try to eliminate a, a directory, like don't look in my virtual environment folder. I've got a weird thing about using just grep and then piping it to another grep. I don't know how to do it easier. So please help me out. But anyway, uh, this article um, I'm, I'd like to point to is called Feature Comparison of Ack, uh, Silver Surfer, Git Grep, GNU Grep, and Rip Grep. Um, and this is actually really cool. So it's it's uh, uh, put out by the Ack people themselves at beyondgrep.com. Ack is a uh, kind of a grep alternative that's written in Perl. But this comparison chart says um, we need more comparison charts like this. and uh, and and it ha- it compares all these different alternatives to grep. Um, Silver Surfer, Silver Searcher, sorry, uh, is AG AG for silver. It's kind of clever. But it, the this chart from the chemical of, is symbol table. AG. Yeah, and also kind of a play on Silver Surfer, the the uh, superhero as well. So um, the um, the chart shows like uh, kind of a whole bunch of stuff about all these tools, like what languages they're written in. Most of them are in C, but ACK is in Perl and uh, RG or RipGrep is in Rust. So that kind of intrigues me. I've been enjoying some Rust tools lately, um, but it goes through a whole bunch of features. So I didn't really know that these were all that different. So if you're going to try something new, it's kind of nice to see if the thing that you really need uh, qualifies. And it's got some high level features, but then also dives into like specifics, like uh, if you have specific pattern matching needs or output needs. But um, kind of a cool tool to decide which grep alternative to use. It's cool. I'd never heard of Git grep. That'll let you grep, but against a Git repo. I I don't know. It, it says up at the top that it lets you search a Git repository by default, um, like search where, right at the bottom <laughs> of your screen there. Oh yeah. So that, that seems w- pretty. It's Git interesting. A repo by default. Oh, nice. And search your Git history. That sounds useful. Yeah. Let's try that out too. This is cool. <laughs> exactly. It's um, gonna make me learn grep. But actually, so one of the things I do appreciate is uh, if people that write tool, like little tools that are alternatives to something else, often they do look at the landscape to find out what else is out there and try things out. So actually, one of the uh, one of the reasons I'm highlighting is that this is I agree with the with the author that says we need more of these. Take that research you've done and actually publish it, uh, because some of the, sometimes one of these tool authors is the is one of the best people to compare all the different alternatives. So. Yeah, uh, this is cool. Nice one. I don't use grep nearly as much as I should or hardly at all, but it seems very useful in this Git. Like I said, this Git one might make me learn grep. Karen, do you do anything with grep? No, it's all good. Uh, well, we're happy to have your puppy on the show as well. Yeah, featuring a uh, five month old golden retriever. It's very vocal. Yeah, I've, I I love Silver Searcher. I think it's really super fast. If you're, um, that's, that's my favorite of these. Uh, long time ago, I started programming in um, my backgrounds in uh, molecular biology. I started in academic publishing, including academic journals online. 
And so Pearl is, you know, close to my heart, but I'm surprised that, um, you know, like these, uh, Perl tools that are still around, they still work perfectly fine. I learned a lot of Perl compatible regular expression use, you know, that PCREs. I'm in, uh, I remember asking some years ago, if, you know, in another language, they had PCRE regular expression. They're like, what's PCRE? Or, you know, it's Perl compatible regular expression. So, but I, I, AG is great. Uh, I think in uh, my world, a lot of people are submitting data and sometimes you're looking for bits and pieces and things. And uh, so, these kinds of tools are really helpful. Um, I use grep mostly because that's, you know, it's easy to pipe it to something else, but AG is great, great because it colorizes your results without passing a color flag, which is usually more convenient. And oh, it's a little fine. bit different syntax. So, um, uh, so, but I haven't used some of these other ones. So this is a uh, cool to know about. Yeah. It's always good to learn about more. Maybe I'll try all of them just for the heck. Nice. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about Airtable. Real quick. So Airtable is like Excel, but it kind of has a database backend. It's also got like a Trello aspect to it. So I don't know if people are using Airtable for things. It also has kind of a Gantt chart or a project management thing. I don't exactly want to talk about Airtable, but I want to set the stage. I want to talk about Pi Airtable. So I just had Gui, the maintainer of this on um, the on Talk Python to talk about Python and architecture and what they were doing where he was working was a lot of things were backed by Airtable. So Pi Airtable is this, this API to talk to it through Python, which is pretty interesting already. But then if you look a little bit more on the docs, it's got, where's the right spot to go look? There is under the API, somewhere in here, there's an ORM aspect as well. So you can even use, um, uh, Airtable, like an ORM where you create classes that map to the stuff you're doing over there and do select statements against it and, and delete them and whatnot. So if people are doing stuff with Airtable, here's a pretty awesome way to automate it. What do you guys think? I think it's great. Is it done by the same people? or uh, No, no. Else? It's done by a guy named Gui. Last name. I'm going to look. Sorry, Gui. That's um, a, um, I just think it's, a, it's pretty cool to have. Oh, nice name. Yeah, Tala Talarico. Yeah, Gui Talarico, and he's also in San Francisco, so he's uh, one of your extended neighbors, Karen. <laughs> yeah, I uh, the Bay Area is uh, big. <laughs> yeah, he was also at Pi Bay. Yeah, well, there was a lot of people at Mass, so even people that are yeah. in my community. I'm a co-organizer for a Bay Area Python interest group, one of the longest uh, running Python groups. Uh, obviously, I didn't. I didn't start it, um, but uh, I recently started helping out. And even people that I'm in meetings with every month and for a number of years, they'd have to say like, oh, Karen, and, and uh, even with badges on. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I, you try to like spy people or, you know, based on their silhouette, if that's the right person. So, <laughs> yeah, and it was outside. A lot of people had sunglasses or a hat. Yeah, it was, it was tricky, <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. So he was there. So yeah, he maintains this, but it's uh, sort of endorsed by the Airtable folks. It's yeah. like listed as one of the independent things that they might recommend for people doing Python. So yeah, I, yeah. I think it's great to have uh, Python APIs for a lot of services that you know have a Python client to help support them. Um, it's really helpful that whether it's written by the company or somebody else, 
And sometimes it's really helpful if you're a small team as the kinds of teams I'm in a research community. We have small teams to be able to like look at the tests, look at their code to see how to use it. Sometimes the company's documentation is not great on how to use their API. And sometimes these extra Python components help you understand their API a little better and what you can do with their API. Um, some companies are better than others in documenting their own APIs to be able yeah. to yeah. interact and with so them. But I know that people use uh, Airtable for a variety of different things and use things like Zapier to connect it to, you know, <laughs> it's like a Rube Goldberg kind of like stitching together <laughs> all these kinds of services to do, you know, a thing at the end, like make toast. Yeah, yeah, because you want to let the business people still just use Airtable, but you need other things to happen or something like that, right? Right. So when they intercept and and they insert this, it's going to heat up that thing, which will knock over a cup, which will then trigger an API, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, or send a meeting invite. So or exactly one of the things I like is uh, if um, like a company that's using uh, one of these tools, having a Python API allows individual hackers like me to be able to just say how do I find just the stuff I need to care about? And I can write my own little application just to pull out the bits that I need to care about yeah. and do it on the command line and uh, probably use rich if I doing that. And, uh, and only yeah, and see grep, stuff, so. grep air table for things to do. Assign exactly. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. I've actually done that. You can search within GitHub itself or sometimes I'll clone it and mm -hmm. kind of, uh, <laughs> for some keywords that help might help me uh, figure out what I need to do a little bit faster. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Neil Heather out there, just giving a quick shout out to Bay Piggies, the, the meetup group out there. Awesome, nice, very, very cool. All right, um, we have a we have we're we're pretty fortunate in the Bay Area that we have a, a several different from all the way from down in Santa Cruz. So for people who don't know that you know the Bay Area is. Um, or depending on how you're looking at it, you know, the San Francisco Bay and, and, and there's meetup groups and Python groups all along. And we're kind of from mid to South Peninsula. Um, there's all the way from up Santa Cruz to up to uh, SF Python, which runs Pi Bay, uh, Grace Law, and there's other ones in the North Bay. So we're pretty fortunate to have a lot of uh, really rich, strong Python community. Yeah, a lot of great local stuff going on there for sure, which is no surprise in San Francisco. But it's also necessary because even though things are close together, you can't get there from here usually. <laughs> they're, they're separated <laughs> far by time, if not by yeah. distance, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. The traffic yeah. has started to pick up again, for sure. Yeah, same here. All right, Karen, you want to do our last item here? Touch one more time on some notebook things? Yeah. One of the the ways if you're part of a team, uh, every everyone probably knows about the black formatter that helps you uh, make opinionated decisions or it makes opinionated decisions for you about how things should be formatted so your your team's a little bit more uh, streamlined and now uh marco gorelli has who is a creator of a, a package called nbqa for notebook qa that did things like isort and other things has added into black the black formatter itself um an ability to do black formatting on notebooks which is great because then it's part of the core package and support will be even richer, uh, very powerful. So you can just run, once you've, once you've installed it, it, there's a command there shown on the screen, pip install black, um, uh, that you can run uh, black on a like notebook, you know, yeah. black. There's probably some uh, hotkey or, or something know, like within Jupyter test. itself, right? S say that again. 
there's probably like some kind of little icon or hotkey or something in there automatically, right? I would guess. Uh, I I don't know. I've run it on the command line and the mm-hmm. kind of in, instructions have it run on a command line. I don't know if you can run it on itself. It'd be <laughs> like, you know, modifying an array that you're iterating over. I don't know if it, oh, you no, can no, I like, guess I have it backwards, you can, right? Because this is actually- yourself. While yeah, this is, this is actually going into black, not into Jupiter, right? right? So yeah, so it's more right. It'll yeah, go from the black so, side. Got it. Yeah, you're running it against a notebook to uh, apply black formatting to the notebook itself. Yeah, but at this point, how long until somebody puts a button into Jupiter to do this? Yeah, I imagine that certainly can happen. I, I think that you have like in VS Code, you already can apply black or other kinds of F8 formatting. Um, within something. So I imagine that totally makes sense that you'd be able to apply it. But I guess I think about it in that sense. It's not the notebook itself that's applying that standardization. It's a package runs, running against whatever kind of thing that you're using, whether it's PyCharm or a VS Code yeah. or some other tool. So I still think it's running against it rather than the notebook itself changing itself, like spinning <laughs> around like Wonder Woman and becoming a super <laughs> sorted uh, iSort you know, package import. Absolutely. Yeah, this is cool. I really like this. Uh, I've always thought that the notebooks lacked a little bit of coding assistance. Standardization know, like, too. Yeah, yeah. And also black brings that, right? But I, I felt like, you know, if you type a thing dot, it doesn't pull up any autocomplete. You have to do the research to know, oh, well, now I have to proactively hit tab to trigger an autocomplete. And, you know, also formatting is not just a hotkey for format my code or command palette thing to format my code as easily. Yeah, I imagine that, you know, I, we're lucky that this the Jupyter community is really rich and people are committed to it and enhancing on it. I know that there's other kinds of notebook systems that are being developed by uh, places like Netflix, where they're like, what is the bare bones we can do so that our, our data scientists can run something else? Um, but the Jupyter notebook community is really extensively used. The community is very active. So I, I'm glad that things like this are being added to enhance its usability and um, uh, readability and standardize it in, a, in an easier way for everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well done, Marco. All right, Brian, I think that brings us to the extras. Extras. Yeah. <laughs> you got any extras you want to throw out there? Um, no, I, I just... We, like, I'm not going to like put a link or anything, but I just wanted to comment. Some of the times I've been giggling today is because uh, Anthony Shaw's on the show and we talked about Pigeon first briefly. And every time I hear the about Pigeon, I think of uh, the uh, Bert and Ernie skit with uh, doing the Pigeon. Uh, I don't know if anybody else remembers that, but anyway, that's that's my quick extra. <laughs> on. Well, I know that Anthony Shaw likes to run um, VS Code Pets. Oh, yeah. Sure, that's right. I think I. Saw I wonder if there's that. a pigeon in this. Pet yes, thing. maybe, maybe it could come full circle, and it could be some kind of pigeon in the pets. In the pets. VS in the pets. like below the project settings, that'd be fantastic. What are the What are these pets that you're talking about? In let me see if I can find it. Let's see if I can see VS Code pets. Yeah, I'm. I don't have a link. I don't do that much VS Code, so I don't know all that much. But what it is is it will literally put like a little animated animal in your editor. And it can be simple, simple like, like this. This is like a cat that's craw- crawling along like a git diff section. <laughs> or they can be way more complicated. Like here, like see this one, for example. There's like a castle and there's a cat that lives in the end. Alas, Anthony Shaw says, but there is no pigeon on the pets extension. <laughs> <See> oh. <you? laughs> 
Oh, there's okay. a lot of stuff happening. Like here, here we go. There's like a hunting cat in the forest and all kinds of things. So, <laughs> and Chris May out in the live stream says, yet, there's no pigeon yeah, in the Yeah, well, a pull request accepted. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Who's going to be adding this? Anyway, this, this is how we should bring it around full circle, right. Brian. Well, do you have any extras? I do, but I always have them. So let me ask Karen if she has anything she wants to add or throw out while we're here. Yeah, I it, well, it's a general thing. Uh, I just helped out at Pi Bay. Uh, I help out at Bay Piggies. And uh, I just want to just tell people, whatever, wherever your community is, they're always looking for lightning talks. It's good practice. Uh, it's as, as both of you know, Michael and Brian, that, that you know, coming up with show ideas or, you know, meetup talks and finding speakers is a challenge. And so, you know, offering something that you want to talk about is good practice. And the people in the communities around you are really supportive and welcoming. And a lightning talk's great practice. It gets you feedback. And I know that for somebody who's who talked at, at Bay Piggies and also for some of the speakers at Pi Bay, uh, you know, I've been willing to work with them on their slides and talk to them how to give the talk and everything to it's it's great practice, both, you know, professionally and then you have a recording of what you talked about. So um, contribute, you contribute in code or you can contribute in ideas and experience in your learning journey. Even if you're just starting out, talking about that journey is really helpful. Talking about a new package that came out and and you guys are doing a fantastic job bringing things up to date, but maybe um, you know, in these other communities, people can do that. I just want to just open it yeah. up. It's not just the experts who are contributing. At people at every level in your local meetups can can give a talk, and uh, it's good experience. For, it's good for you. It's good for them. And so I'm just going to encourage everybody to volunteer in your Python community. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're thinking about doing like submitting a talk to say PyCon or another big conference, doing it locally at your local meetup with people you know, with just ten people. It's a really good way to practice that and get a sense for what it's going to be like if you do get accepted and hone it a little bit. Yeah, great feedback and great questions too. So yep. perfect prep. Great. Yep. All right. My Apple Watch wants me to stand up, but instead I'm going to talk about some extras. So first one is I've been playing around with a new password manager. I use one password. I love one password. I use it on all my things. But I've decided that there are certain things I would like to put on the systems I don't want to set up my super important passwords on or I want to share with people and so on. I was like, all right, well, what else could I use? So I came across Bitwarden, which is an open source password manager that also has like a cloud backend and mobile apps and all sorts of stuff, browser integration. So instead of just, I don't know, running a local encrypted file or something, this is a really good option from what I can tell for setting up. It does it does have a paid plan if you want, but if you look at the paid plan, um, the paid personal plan, it's like $10 a year or a dollar, you know, like 80 cents a month or something. So it's it's totally doable as- For only for, uh, 80 cents a month, you too yeah. could be secure. Exactly. For the well, coffee that you spilled on yourself, the price of that, you could have- <laughs> I like this, because, but actually just, I know you have a bunch of other stuff, but- it's driving me kind of nuts that even like five or ten dollars a month or twenty dollars a month for some things, everything is going towards these subscription plans, and it's like it's yeah. just storing my password. I don't want to pay twenty dollars a month. So yep, 
This also has a self-hosted version, I believe, because it's open source. You could run it at your company if that was that the kind of thing you wanted to do. So anyway, cool. good recommendation. I think this is a pretty neat option. Again, I'm still using 1Password for my personal main stuff, but this is like my, I want another one that doesn't hold all that stuff. And it's it's pretty neat. Also, Chris May, I'll, I'll give you a shout out for Hi RVA for the Virginia meetup is also looking for speakers because <laughs> Chris, as Karen, and as we know, booking people to come for this kind of stuff is never easy. Lightning right. talks, long talks, whatever, <laughs> exactly. you know, there's lots you of talk about Show up and help us out. All right. So Bitwarden, check it out. Seems cool. Open source uh, bonus as well. This one is both a joke and a real <laughs> thing. Okay. So I love it that it all comes together and it's for Python. So uh, Patrick Mason sent out a message the at PSF is on Twitter. The at PSF is searching for an executive director. So Iwa uh, has been the executive director for 10 years. Thank you so much for that. She's finally retiring or moving on, I suppose. And so they're looking for a new person, but that, that's the real part. So if you want to apply for that, that'd be excellent. The joke is the at PSF is actually the Pacific Salmon Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> So, so they, they so said, if you want to swim upstream. Exactly. But here's the thing that's funny is the, the Salmon Foundation replied saying at the PSF is looking for an executive director at just PSF without the, the is not currently looking for one cheers on a successful search. So Patrick comes back and says, sorry for the confusion. The P the, the Salmon Foundation says it happens. We're starting to feel like at the PSF family. It's not like at Java ever calls us broken heart. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't uh, that fantastic? Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that, good, good uh, sense of humor. Now, now I kind of want to give to the Salmon Foundation just for. Being I know, I do cool too. People. Yeah. All right, I got to. I had a quick pull up a little bit extra for this one. So, um, Karen, this will this will uh, relate to you as well. So, there's a um, this thing called the Anime Gan V2 Face Portrait thing that will take a picture that you put up here and it will turn it into anime in like some really wild looking ways. Oh, wow. Isn't this crazy? Yeah. I want to anime me. So you can take a picture and throw it up here and get these. They're not very anime. Like, I don't think they're as exaggerated as anime often is. But you put a picture up here. It doesn't work very well for me with glasses, but I did put up here a picture of my dog. So there's a picture of my dog, which uh, I'll try to link to this in the show notes or something. What and kind I of threw dog it up you there. Said? That is a carrier mix of like 10 different things. It's very, very sweet, but I can't really give it a, a type. But if you turn it into anime, it looks like this, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. Well, I, I think you should have some kind of battle sword or a helmet. Oh, I feel like. Yeah, it's just way too chill, this dog. It needs to be much more uh, ready to go Yeah, in battle. So With a slowly anyway. forming tear. <laughs> well, exactly. go back to the other, the, the animated, the, the other. The humans? Spot. Yeah. So. It looks like there's there's moving. Can you have? Yeah, real I don't time? know what this move. I I couldn't make it move. Maybe if you drop a movie or something up there. Okay. There's like an Elon Musk and a Bill Gates uh, anime. So I was um, hoping that you could do real time filters, so we could possibly do our YouTube all in anime oh, sometime. Oh my gosh! If we could do a <laughs> we could do an episode like once a year where we're in anime, that would be fantastic. I would yeah. be all about it. Yeah, yeah. they've There's, got Tim Apple there. No, just or a Snapchat filter. <laughs> You know, I'm really yeah. on bite on bites. I'm not a cat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Your Honor, I'm not a cat. I'm ready to proceed. <laughs> oh, maybe we could ask StreamYard to update that in our new update. Oh, yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah. All right. And then finally, 
a, Py a couple of versions of Python are out. The interesting one is 3.11 Alpha 2 is now available for people to download. Uh, we've spoken about Mark Shannon's plan to make Python faster. Guido Van Rossum has been helping over the last year. And I Josh actually interviewed Pathan. them. Yeah, I, I interviewed That's them on time. Go listen to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I recently had the, the at the moment the most recent episode on Talk Python to me is Guido and Mark talking about the work they're doing to make Python five times faster. This is the first release that has some of those features in it, and you can test to see if this is any faster on your code. So they they said they'd love people to try it out. So a double shout out there to to that. All right, I think that's enough. Time for a joke. Although I feel like the salmon one is really kind of also a joke, but yeah. it was also real. Like if if you're looking for a job within the PSF, the PSF, not just PSF. Check it out. All right. But as somebody who does testing, Brian, I'm hoping this one touches your heart here a little bit. You ready? Yeah. So here's a picture. It's uh, a meme type of picture, and it has uh, some text on it. It says, hot fix in production. Could you describe that for our audience, please? <laughs> this is an awesome picture. <laughs> so you've got like a drainage pipe coming out in the water, and it's clearly not not attached to there's And then the, it kind of... It's coming out at an angle, then going down. The, the pipe goes down and uh, straight it's down. It's supposed to be connected as one big yeah, pipe, but it's apparently supposed to be not. connected, but it's not. But actually, there's a hole in the lower pipe, so the <laughs> upper pipe actually just directly hit. It all works. Uh, <laughs> the, the broken Somehow. pipe on top is being poured into a broken pipe, a hole in a broken pipe that is disconnected. So it yeah. it, it works. Yeah, so it's I'm, a hot fix in production. Just I'm, make it work. I'm guessing <laughs> somebody like just uh, noticed the break and then just popped a hole in the pipe in the bottom to fix it. Yeah, something so, like that. Yeah, this is yeah, great. I feel like this is um, that rush to get that broken website, the website is down type of thing, running as fast as possible. Well, or it yeah. could be Facebook and the whole internal network could be broken and you have to break out like a, a saw to saw open the data center door because the network is required to open the door, but the network is down and you got to get in the door to, to restore the network. Well, actually, you know, some, eggs. some stuff like this happens all the time because you've got like a team that finds a problem, but the problem isn't in their code. It's in like some other component that happens to be written by the team in Germany that's on vacation because it's one of their million big holidays and <laughs> and so you you just fix it in the other layer or something like that so yeah yeah absolutely it's awesome all right we got a little audience participation in this joke anthony shaw says integration tests pass exactly <laughs> and, yeah. and wilma coogan says leaky abstractions <laughs> oh nice yeah. well done yeah. yeah well done you all out there and uh well done to you karen as well thanks for being here i'm super excited this i've been a longtime fan of uh both of your work and uh Oh, thanks. I just thank, thank you. you for letting me be here. And uh, yeah. thank you for inviting me after I super fangirled you at Pi Bay. Because <laughs> I appreciate both of your work. Everybody should uh, also help out these two wonderful podcasts, Talk Python. Oh, and, and the Python Testing Podcast and Python Bytes on Patreon, um, as I have for a number of years. So thank you. super exciting oh, to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Thanks again. Brian, thanks as always. Bye. See you all later.